0: Okay, limitation liability. How does that impact me? Termination. How does that impact me? Liquidated damages, consequential damages. How do they impact me? You got to have a longer term perspective and understand that risk is silent. You don't feel the impact of risk if something goes good, something goes yeah. well, nothing happens.
1: What's some pointers that will help us just walk in the right direction to see that, to help us understand and not get burnt with, say, the the dollars $300,000 contract, the $30,000 contract?
0: hey just quickly before we get started we have a website called constructionsecrets.io it's our website where we've got free training free videos free everything that you need to become a contractually savvy construction company so basically sign better contracts with lower risk and that you've got more of a chance of making more profit on your on your projects um, and ultimately stay in business over the long term so go to constructionsecrets.io consume all of that stuff and be a better construction company and now let's get on the show. Hey, construction legends! So this is part two of my interview with Kendrick Byers on the Constructing Art podcast. In it, we're going to talk about essentially making terms and conditions really, really simple for your average layman who doesn't understand it. What risk is specifically, and how risk can impact your bottom line over a longer period of time, and why the biggest and best construction companies understand risk and use it to their advantage. And at the end of the episode, I share free resources that you can use and give you a specific strategy so you can implement a proper contracts negotiation procedure into your business without the cost. Enjoy.
1: What I've noticed a lot in most of them is payment claim date that needs to be met, mm-hmm. as well as they have a scope. And almost every single time, the scope has things in there that you have to cross off because they were not. They can sometimes be a very cookie cutter type of a contract mm-hmm. that don't even seem relevant to the trade that we're doing. However, mm-hmm. if we leave it in there contractually, we will be obligated, I'd imagine, yep. to do that if they ask us to. Yep.
0: Yeah, so, but the scope of work we got to make sure the scope of work is the exact scope of work of the work that you're doing, right? But 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 each contract has what's called an order of precedence. And so the order of precedence basically says, if there's any ambiguity between the different documents in the contract, this is the order of precedence right? Right. And okay. so the thing is the terms and conditions will be above the scope of work in the order of precedence. So let's just say mm-hmm. the, the scope of work says seven day payment terms but the terms say 30 day payment terms the 30 days wins. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's hopefully that so answers So question.
1: anything written below those terms can be superseded by the terms above
0: it. Exactly. That's why the terms are so important.
1: Right. And to me as, as I mean I've read through all the contracts Sort of tended on and won or what have you and chosen not to go ahead with. And a lot of them have all of these terms in there, which kind of look like they're not necessarily important. They seem mm-hmm. like a bunch of gobbledygook of, this is just a definition of this. This is just a definition of this. However, now I'm going to pay a bit more attention to that.
0: Yeah, so what you, in a contract, the structure of the contract was just the first few pages will be the definition of terms. Okay, and then yeah. the rest of the contract is how, like if you think about a contract, and this is how I view a contract is, I am sure that you can interpret Drawing specifications, scopes of work, better than the average layman, right? Obviously, it's what you do. It's
1: what we do. Yeah. It's what you do.
0: And so that forms part of the contract. And so you're an expert in, you know, looking at these things. Now, you mightn't be an expert in every part of it, but you can interpret them. Yeah. All I'm saying is the the terms and conditions is something, is another document in the contract that you need to be able to interpret. So you need to, uh, okay, limitation, liability. How does that impact me? Termination. How does that impact me? Liquidated damages consequential damages, how do they impact me? And once you understand them, you can have positions on each of these things. And you say, we as a company don't agree to these things because the risk is too much. Like a lot of times you're playing a game where you are literally risking the whole business on this project. And so if you frame it like that, like when you know and you sit down and you go, okay, well, if you want to make that decision, Kenny, I say to you, I reviewed your contract and I go, look, Kenny, in the X, Y, and Z, if this happens, you could potentially be up for this amount of money or you could lose the whole business. Consequential loss, for example, loss of profit is one. Your client's loss of profit could be more than the size of your company, right? Yeah. Probably yeah. is realistically so that's what you're i mean okay so if we look at the the risk chart low probability high risk right like so low probability of happening but high probability of if it does happen you're in big sh1t and so it's looking at it like that and then making your decisions from that point of view and the ability to turn down work and say no i'm not doing that because the contract is too hard it's too aggressive is very very powerful it's it's powerful in that you get a great reputation in the market for turning down work you'll get a reputation for being professional you know what you're you're talking about you don't appear green you like as in like this is your first rodeo they're like oh god these guys are switched on right which makes you look as like a better company in their eyes
1: mm-hmm. yeah so all of those things and doing that is is from an interview perspective would be better to the client than just turning up and agreeing to everything and then they'll it'll give them confidence if you turn around and be professional in that aspect
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. i mean look if you look at the biggest companies in your sector now just interestingly i know a roofing company in the states that's a billion dollar company just a roofing Mm -hmm. company and so companies can scale to that level very like i'm not saying easily but people have to think if i can stay in business long enough i can grow the company to that sort of size so Mm -hmm. again the key thing is it's not about starting a business it's about staying in business
1: i love that i think that's a brilliant ethos (laughs) for all of that so where do we move from here is there anything that you have that in regard to horror stories that you've experienced with with People that have just not just been really poor with their contracts, and uh, just a, a story that you could share with us in regard to that, and then maybe after that a hero story of someone who's put it in where they've come out the other side and been fine. I'm sure you've got lots of those with with quantum con, uh, contract.
0: Yeah, there's I mean there's lots of lots of stories. There's a lot of sad stories. I mean the the stories when, when I talk about unfortunately that when I talk about the bad news stories, the war stories. You know a lot of war stories. Are, you know, this bad thing happened and I, I, you know, then I overcome the obstacle and then I came out on top. Unfortunately, yeah. the war story is in, in construction is I went out of business. And so just looking at some of our clients, like we, you know, over time, we've had clients that left us for whatever reason. And typically it's like, we don't have enough work or we're struggling to get work. So therefore we don't need your services. And so as part of our re-engagement program, right? You know, we'd have our sales team reach back out them to see you know how they're doing and an overwhelming amount don't exist anymore they're gone wow wow and so that that is a huge thing i mean that's the reality unfortunately and the upside of it is you know statistically and this is where if people don't have confidence to negotiate their contracts like just take this statistic as the confidence that you could take is that when we negotiate contracts for our clients, 82% of what we put forward gets approved. That's our average wow. across all of our clients. So we've got, I think at this stage, 130 odd clients across the world Uh different countries, uh, different regions so 82% gets approved and so the game is they give you their worst contract expecting you to negotiate if you don't negotiate they don't think that you're easy to do it they think that you don't know how to play the game this is your first time and that is a red mark against you it's not you're easy to deal with if you negotiate in a professional way very clearly what you're trying to achieve it gives them confidence that you know what you're doing so that's the negotiating contracts in the post award phase our average client is saving about 100 thousand dollars from what they would have had to have employed internally to achieve the same so that's just an internal cost metrics and are getting twice the amount of variations change orders eot's approved than they normally would have now the the statistics for disputes are a little bit hard to fathom so our job is to avoid disputes and stop disputes happening because if you get into a dispute it's a race to see who loses the least amount of money that's it no one wins we all know the only people that wins are the consultants and Mm so we We want to avoid disputes at all costs. My best analogy for a dispute is, imagine you're driving along in your car, Kenny, and you stop at a traffic light and someone rear-ends you. They get out of the car and they say, sorry Kenny that was my fault right and you're like okay well he's admitted it's his fault and you know someone admitting that it's 100% their fault in a construction dispute is not not a likely scenario to, to say that but let's just say that it did happen even though they 100% even in the, the car crash example they 100% admit it you are still at a loss because you have to go and get taxis around the place you got to get quotes you got to spend time to get you know everything quoted you got to go to a panel beater maybe your light is broken and it's your out of action for a car for a period of time that all costs you money that's the first thing second thing is your car is not as valuable anymore because it's been crashed you can't Mm -hmm. say it hasn't been crashed so even though you came out and it wasn't your fault and you came out okay you still lost money and that's a dispute in construction so even if you come out on top you're still down money but the reality is you'll never have a construction dispute where they say I'm totally at fault you'll have to meet in the middle so again you're losing even more money and so if we can avoid disputes at all costs that makes a huge difference so can I give you stats about the amount of disputes that we have avoided because that's hard to quantify um but i'm pretty confident that the way we work is that the amount of disputes they have are significantly lower
1: right but certainly i know uh, the, the feeling of the, the negotiating with principal contractors uh it feels that you come into say for example in roofing I'm, I'm on a project at the moment where i went up on the roof this morning and i stated, hey the the air conditioning guys have actually put the pipe through the roof in a really good position we don't need to go put dry pans through from the top which that asked us to do and i thought that okay we have to we have to allow for these these i've missed that from the contract but we've got to allow for them and i said to the builder you don't need to put them in. And he goes, oh, well, that's going to be cheaper for us. And I said, well, I, I, I'd allow them. I wasn't going to charge you for them. And he goes, oh, no, we were expecting you to charge me for them. So I was in a mental state of thinking we were going to have to negotiate or I was going to have to have a loss rather than have to go into a dispute, which mm-hmm. you try to avoid like the plague. Yep. And in the end, we both win because he, they're not having to pay any more money and it's not costing us any more money. And so we avoided that. And so I wanted to share that with you just then, because that's essentially a good side, a upside from that. I can't, can't send disputes. I would lose money every day of the week without before going into a dispute. I just go, okay, I I didn't allow for that. So I'm just going to shut up and do my job.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm. That's a a great strategy is to avoid disputes at all costs. Honestly, it is. It's better for relationships. It's better for, for absolutely everything. Right.
1: So is there anything else? So points that I've got here in my little schedule is that from this point, what three to five points could you give to our listeners that I know you've probably gone through here uh, in all of that. Heap. You've already put heaps of nuggets of gold in there and some silver as well. And what, what could you say? Like, it just says dot points essentially that if you were a, and I'll use myself for an example, uh, a roofing and cladding company, we do projects with tier two companies. We don't do union type projects, don't do mm-hmm. tier two, tier one. And we get big contracts given to us as well. We work for mums and dads and we work for small builders that just give us project uh, mm-hmm. purchase orders. Our way of managing the contracts is basically we get the contract, we look through it, we cross of what we don't agree with that we understand and sign it and send it back very basic we don't read i don't read i haven't been reading the purchase orders to make sure that what they give us is exact i do briefly over read them I'll read through them though i'm because we're just busy 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 we're not necessarily all over them so as a as some advice that we could implement ourselves and i know that we could definitely just come to you kian and say hey sort our systems out or, and I'm, I'm i'm sure we'll be
0: doing that so we'll get back to the pod in two seconds. And so if you're getting some value from this or you're enjoying it and you think there's other people in the construction industry that would also, please just use your thumb, share it with them on WhatsApp or whatever uh, way that you share these type of things, Facebook, whatever it happens to be. Um, it makes a huge difference to the podcast, it allows us to grow and impact more people and we would really, really appreciate it. Thanks.
1: What's some pointers that will help us just walk in the right direction to see that, to help us understand and not get burnt with, say, the the dollars $300,000 contract, the $30,000 contract, yep. and then working for mums and dads? And especially, we haven't touched on mums and dads, so something with them, that would be good as well.
0: Yeah, okay. So, all right. So, I'll give you, I'll give you the brief synopsis as to how to not work with quantum, okay? <laughs> this is... Right. No, seriously. I, that uh, was brilliant. I loved it. What you want to do is there's two things you can do. First of all, we got uh, if you just YouTube my name, Kim Brennan, on YouTube, you'll find a YouTube channel. There's a playlist there, and it runs through every point in the contract. It's called Contract Negotiation. Everything that you need is in there. It like if you don't understand the points of the contract, go there, watch those videos. There's like 16 of them. It'll you know take you a while to get through them, but they're in there. Have examples, and that's all free. So then you're downloaded on what you need to look for and what you what you're doing. So that's there. The second thing I would do is if you've got a good construction lawyer, just from a money point of view, do you want to be paying a lawyer every single time you're reviewing these contracts? No, it'll it'll cost you four or five grand every single time, right? So I don't think that's the way to go about doing it because it makes the 20 grand job not worthwhile, right? Yeah, 100%. So how do we get around that right so i would invest to go to a lawyer in a construction lawyer and on a one-time thing and you say to him what i want to do is here's my worst contract that i i've been given big big gnarly contract and i want to create a set of commercial principles for my company based on let's go through this and where do i stand what is my position on each of these items okay so then he'll help you do that then you got a set of commercial principles where you stand on each one of these items and then that's it you've paid now you have this document this document that you now use when you're submitting your proposal right you say on your proposal my proposal is based on the acceptance of these commercial principles but right? you don't give them your terms and conditions because you got that thing if they come over the top with their terms and conditions and so you go uh, based on this and so it gets there and you get to the purchase order stage and you go hey just letting you know that this is based on our acceptance of these things which means we need to change the purchase orders give then you can you can use that as an excuse to change the purchase order terms and conditions because they've agreed to your proposal that's one mm-hmm. right so that'll sort you out there with the big contracts that you have where it's not a, a just a purchase order it's a big proper contract where you're they're giving you a contract to review again same sort of philosophy but you obviously had to negotiate those points yourself up front okay so that there's yeah. a bit of, bit of skill involved now that's a little bit more difficult but you you know what to ask for and you can speak intelligently because you're saying these are our commercial principles so yeah. that helps again um, which is the document you got from your lawyer which is the document you got from your lawyer so yeah. now you But you just got to do all of this yourself and you got to try and negotiate that. That's the hard bit. Then for mom and pops if mom and pops is your you will probably give them a contract to sign yeah so what you need to do is in the front end you got to go to that lawyer again and you go okay now that i have come up with this i want you to draft me a contract that has all of my best interests in place and then you give that contract to your mom and pop guy to sign now you want to make that small you can still achieve everything you want but it wants to it needs to be small there's two things you can do if you're doing it like an e-signature sort of thing you can have a link to our terms and conditions that you're accepting and that link could be on your website and it could be longer there that's a way to protect your interests, get yourself sorted in that scenario
1: okay Okay, and so the, then you flip that to the other side, and that is doing it not working with quantum. That's it. That's how you do it yourself. That's yeah, it. The so whole. That's the whole show. Working with quantum.
0: Working with quantum. You would just send us in your contract, and we would review it. We'd point out absolutely everything that you need to be worried about, and we'd prepare the negotiation document for you. Right. So that was a one-line sentence. Pretty much, like we'll do the whole thing for you. We do the commercial principles thing for you, and it's just a hundred percent done. And I guess our skill set is because we done so many of these contract reviews we know how to negotiate them to get them over the line so your end result is where you want to be
1: yeah well essentially that first section that we just spent the last five minutes talking about my head was starting to go hey i'm a roofer and i i, I see myself as being a bit well i'm quite capable at the, at the contracts and all the things my head started to explode Okay. <laughs> and, and, and then flip to the other side we had a two-line sentence go well that makes things easier like so far we've done quite well in what we do however the cost especially with inflation uh, the cost of these contracts that used to be $100,000 are now $200,000 yep. or were $200,000 now $300,000, 400000 $500,000. And our cash flow hasn't grown in that same speed. Mm-hmm. So I can see that not having to worry about that and just go on doing what we do and being good at that. Yep. I can see how that would be beneficial over not sleeping at night.
0: Yeah, I mean, the option as you grow as a company is to start hiring contracts people in your business to do this for you as well. Mm. Obviously, of course, that's the, I'm, I'm just talking about you doing that yourself but you could hire people in-house to do it as well. And I'm, I'm sure the, the, cost. the more,
1: yeah, well, that's right. If we're doing more, like I, I said, mums and dads, builders, and then we've got say the defense work that we do with builders, with principal contractors, we spread our fingers as wide as we can. So if we get burnt, it only gets burnt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Utilizing proper contract methods and negotiating to the riskier ones would essentially be like adding another finger on. Yep. So we're not burning our fingers. If we do, it'll only be minimal. So that's essentially what you're saying. And that's in all of this. it. Yeah,
0: that's it that's the you got to have a longer term perspective and understand that risk is silent you don't feel the impact of risk if something goes good something goes well nothing happens right so that's that's kind of a feeling it's kind of like insurance right it's it's almost exactly like insurance in that if the thing doesn't happen great but i didn't feel that but if the bad thing happens then you feel the bad thing if you haven't got yourself covered. And so that's the protection that you're looking for.
1: Right, yeah. I think that's awesome. They mentioned before about the long-term goal being in business is to stay in business. And I've worked for myself since I was 22 in the company that I'm in now since for the last 11 years. And I've always gone off, hey, you learn from your mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. But I know that I've repeated mistake when we're really busy. Mm. And we're really busy when we're on the big contracts where if we don't perform, Mm-hmm. we're gonna get burnt yep so i see complete value and like when we caught up on linkedin I was like, wow, I want to know more. And this has been absolutely fantastic knowing about all these things and that long-term goal. So I don't have a a vision in my company to grow it to a point where I can turn around and sell the company. It's what my accountant calls a lifestyle business. (laughs) We're in a business to be in business and I love being in business. I don't want to go and be in another business. That's, That's not how it is. So that whole point of, if you just keep putting the right, trying to do the next right thing, I got that from Frozen 2 from Disney, trying to do the next right thing, you end up being bigger and bigger and bigger or growing and being stronger because you become more professional and you've you've actually learned and implemented strategies along the way that stop you from being that, what was that statement? You said you, when you go in with the cheapest price, it's the race for who's going to go out of business first.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Or someone's, sorry, someone's always willing to go out of business quicker than you. Yes,
1: yeah, that's exactly right. Well, look, we've covered heaps today and I'm really excited with what we've done. One of the things that I ask on our podcast is what your favorite part of your home is and why. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Can I say people? I, I guess not. You I guess you say it, whatever. That, yeah. Because I've been in like construction, I've, we lived in the Middle East, we lived in Qatar, Saudi, I've been in Iraq, Australia, I'm obviously Irish. The business is in the US, so much moving. So I would have to consider a home to be more of a concept than a, a building. And so, yeah, it, it is favorite part of my home is my three women, one woman, two girls. So that's always been a constant. So it's nice to have a business where obviously I'm up super early and, uh, and up late with, with different time zones, but I always get to have breakfast and dinner with my family. That's
1: beautiful. For one dad to another, that's amazing. The home is the people, it's not the building. Mm-hmm. So and I would imagine then you just nailed it. It's breakfast and dinner.
0: Yeah, breakfast and dinner. So your uh, kitchen,
1: dining room area is your place.
0: Yeah, yeah. The family dinner. We try our best to have, it doesn't always work out, but we try our best to have a family dinner every night.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a principle I share as well. We we all sit down at the table and and do that. So look, that's great to share that value with you, Kian.
0: This isn't very nice to be on the, the podcast, Kenny.
1: Yeah, with you as well. Thank you so much. I've got one more thing before we go. And oh, you shoot, answered the shoot. Qu- One thing you mentioned you are a dad. Yes. And so I love that I got given for Father's Day dad jokes in a team. Oh. So I thought, let's just throw this one out to finish it. Is uh, it. And this is very, very suitable for the podcast that we have right now. If you have 13 apples in one hand and 10 oranges in the other hand, what do you have? I don't know. Massive
0: hands. <laughs> Mm-hmm. very good very good there's there's two american guys on tiktok where they just sit in this like ice thing and they just tell each other dad jokes very very funny and or, yeah. i i don't tiktok but my wife and daughters laugh at me that i use youtube shorts which was tiktok yeah yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tiktok two months ago basically and said like oh yeah you saw that joke now we saw that like two months ago and i'm like oh whatever
1: yeah 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 no, i'm I'm my youtube shorts so i've recently gone gary V said i had to get in oh watching gary Vay said you've got to get on tiktok because otherwise you're missing a certain yeah it's a whole different thing well mate it's been awesome great to get to know you as a person and great to see your journey and what you're doing and we'll definitely be talking again soon sounds good Kenny take it easy yeah you too